0: Thank you for listening to a sermon from Knox Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Kenmore, New York. Our senior pastor is Justin Olivetti. To reach Knox Church, please email us at office at knoxypc.com or call us at 716-873-2423. To request prayer, email us at prayerchain at knoxypc.com. Now, let's listen. Please have a seat.
1: Actually, scratch that. Stand back up with your Bibles. I'm so sorry. We're going to be opening to 1 John today. We're going to be studying 1 John over the course of four weeks. Fastest sermon series I've ever done here at Knox. We're going to be uh, looking at verses 5 through 10 of the first chapter, and that's on page 1183 in your pew Bibles. So we're going to be reading 1 John 1. 5-10. 5-10. Please follow along with me. This is the message you have heard from Him and declare to you, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live in the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. This is the word of God. May we have the ears to hear it, and may his blessing be added to it. Please have a seat. Have you ever been flipping through a magazine or surfing on Facebook and you come across one of those personality quizzes? You know, the they ask you about 10 questions, just random questions, and then you're told at the end what kind of Star Wars character you'd be or what kind of candy you'd taste like or what historical figure you're most like. It's Most of those quizzes are pretty on, inconsequential. Yeah, it's kind of funny to me that we, we take them, we kind of... We don't want other people to judge us, but we love it when a quiz does for some reason. We want want to be judged. We want somebody to give us a definitive answer about who we are. We like those quizzes, but I find them to be rather silly and inconsequential. It doesn't really matter what Hogwarts house I'd get sorted into at the end of the day. It doesn't change my life. But what if I were to tell you that there is a quiz in the Bible? that will tell you without a shadow of a doubt if you've been saved? What if I could deliver that to you today? A quiz in the Bible that will tell you without a shadow of a doubt if you've been saved. It's the most important question we could possibly ask ourselves, isn't it? If we've actually truly been saved by the blood and power of Jesus Christ. Maybe today that's not a question for you. You know for certain whether or not you've been saved. You know that you are or you know that you aren't, but not everybody knows. There there are some people who think they know, who are deluding themselves. There are many Christians who might have those moments of doubt and uncertainty. Though I think I am, but I'm not entirely sure. I I don't know. I hope so. You'll you'll ask people that, and you say, are you saved? And They go, yeah, I, I hope so. I think we can do better than I hope so. Think we should do better than when you need to know where you're going to be spending all of eternity. I hope so doesn't cut it. I I I had some Muslim friends and I say, well, do you know if you're going to paradise? They call heaven paradise, and they say, well, we hope so. We hope that we can do enough to earn our way into paradise. I say, man, I don't want to hope so. I want to know for sure. This this question isn't new. Nor I want to say if you're sitting out there and you're a little uncertain. Or if you encounter people in your life, you have this conversation with them, and they're a little uncertain, let them know it's not a new thing to be uncertain over this question. When you ask people point blank, do you know if you're saved? And they're like, I, I think so, but I'm not sure. It's not a new question, because all the way back in the Bible, First John tackles this question for people who are struggling with the question of whether or not they're saved, wanting that assurance of salvation. So, I want, to, I want to get into that quiz, but before we do that, a little background as we move into 1 John today over the next four weeks. 1 John was written by who? John, right? Easy, it's right there in the title. It's, John likes to play fun fun little fact for you. John is the one person in the New Testament, one author who wrote the most of the New Testament. We might think Paul. Paul wrote the num- most number of books. But by word count, John wrote John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Revelation. He's he's got it covered. He's he's written most of the New Testament. And John, 1st John was written when he was growing old. And in fact, he he was starting to see the first generation of Christians start to die off. Those, Those eyewitnesses of Christ that we talked about in Mark. And they were starting to die off. And the next generation of Christians were starting to rise up. And John, he called himself the elder by then. And the elder said, well, I want to write a book. I want to write this letter that would be passed around to as many churches as possible to help answer some of these crucial questions, to help build up this new generation of Christians that didn't know Jesus personally but are learning about him through, through um, teachers. And he knew that some of the Christ followers, some of this next generation of these growing churches we're struggling with this question of whether or not they were saved, of having that assurance that they were truly part of the kingdom of God. So we wrote this letter for a specific purpose. In fact, if you still have First John open, you want to keep that open for a minute, you can look in chapter five, because he it makes his thesis statement here in 1 John 5:13. John writes, "I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God." so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know. I love that. He's delivering on a, on a silver platter assurance. Assurance that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you may hope or guess or just rolling the dice, taking your chances, that you may know. We want to know that the one day when we are all laid out in front of this church or wherever, People are looking at us and saying, wow, they left a good-looking corpse behind. That on that day, we know where we go. It's not going to be a guess. It's not going to be a great mystery to us. We will know on that day, we will have the assurance of our salvation. And it will be a joyous day for us. It will be our graduation day. We want to know right now we're already living this new life, that we're not somehow deluding ourselves. We're not fooling ourselves. We're very good at that, by the way. We're very good at rationalizing things and fooling ourselves and deceiving ourselves. And John really wants to counter that. He wants to make sure that we're not lying to ourselves as well as other people. So let's let's dig into 1 John, starting in this first chapter here. One thing you need to know about John is that this guy loves his stark images. He loves contrasts, and he loves images. He likes to create these, these images in your brain. So and. and Chapter 1, verse 5, he's trying to establish for you who God is. He he creates an image of who God is. And that image is light. God is light. That's simple. We can can get that. This isn't theology 506 or something here. We understand God is light. And that is a wonderful metaphor for God, isn't it? Think about light. It reveals. God reveals. It's hard to ignore when it's really light. I came in this morning, and, and Deb and Pearl were sitting in the darkness, talking. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, I almost didn't see you there. No, but light reveals. It reveals. In light, there is no darkness. Also, nothing is hidden. Right now, I can see you. I can see if you're sleeping or not. Some of you are not off in the back there. I can see you because there is light. If we had darkness in this sanctuary right now, I might hear some snores, but I wouldn't be able to see that's, that's God, right? He's, we can see in Him, there is no darkness. God's light shows that His character is pure, is holy, is without defect. He invites you to examine Him. In fact, that's kind of what this book series we're going through, is examining the character of God and seeing who God is. He invites us to do that. He is good through and through. And John says the opposite of light is the darkness of the world. And in that darkness prowls a lot of things that you won't want to see. Sin's prowling around. Death is prowling around. Corruption. All the worst. So he asked this first question of the quiz. Where do we stand? Are we in the darkness or the light? From John's perspective, there's no straddling their line. You can't be half in the light and half in the darkness. You're either in one or you're in the other. It's binary. One or, one or the other. John uses these code phrases for whether or not you've been saved. And you can see this in verse 6 and 7 for the state of our salvation. If we are not saved, we are walking in the darkness. That's his code phrase. If we are saved, we are walking with the light. God is the light. We are walking with him. But how do we know that? How do we know if we are indeed walking in the light? Is it even possible? Is it possible for us, a sinful people, to be holy? Can we walk in purity? Can we fully imitate Christ in our lives? John, how do we know? Don't hold up on us here. This is really important. Tell us the answer. And that's where John starts his tendency throughout his entire letter to give us these quiz questions because he's teaching us. He's doing that that role of an elder of teaching his people. So he peppers in all these quiz questions throughout his entire letter. They're almost kind of hidden until you understand that that he has a code word, another code word here. And the code word is the word if. Anytime John starts a a sentence with the word if, he's basically giving you a quiz question because if, if and then are binary, right? So you got, you know, if you are this, then this. If you are this, then you are walking in darkness. You are not saved. If you are this, then you are walking in light, and you are saved. And he gives us a number of these quiz questions all throughout the book of 1 John. Chapter 1, verse 6 has the first if statement. If we claim we are Christians, but our lives demonstrate we are still walking in the darkness, we've deceived ourselves. What we should want is right there in verse 7. If we walk in the light, are you in the light today? If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sins. So look at that, he wraps up the whole package of salvation. Salvation is fellowship with God, fellowship with believers, and escape from our sin. That is an incredible package just given to us. But for some people, accepting that gift of grace is not easy. Let's move on, I want to see how this quiz develops in the next section. Question two. We're going to skip verse nine, we're going to ignore verse nine for right now. I want us to look at verses eight and ten. He says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So let me ask you, have you right now ever claimed to be without sin or that you have never sinned? Hmm. You're in church right now, so you know what the answer should be, right? You know what the right answer you should give. But these are not ridiculous or rhetorical questions. This is not... Like, some, like, of course I've sinned. People back then did make these claims, and people still today in our community, even in our churches, kind of make this claim that they're without sin. Let me give you an example. The great Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon was once approached by a member of his congregation after a service who claimed that he had gotten to a point in his Christian walk where he no longer sinned. Charles Spurgeon was intrigued. He had never met somebody who had never sinned before. Would stop sinning. So he invited this man over to lunch. He said, I want, I want you to come over and have lunch with me today and explain more about how you just never, ever sin. So the man said, okay. Came over to lunch, and they were sitting down for a nice meal, and they were talking, and, and just abruptly in the middle of the meal, without warning, Charles Spurgeon takes a cup of water and throws it in the guy's face. And the man just stands up and starts cursing out Charles Spurgeon and sputtering, and his face is red. And without missing a beat, Spurgeon said, "Aha, The old man inside of you isn't dead. See, I have merely revived him with a cup of water." Don't come to my house. I'll throw a glass of water in your face. <laughs> you got to be careful with us, pastors. We're crafty people. To be sure, we're not going to meet many people like that, mean, I've never met somebody who's come up to me and say, "Pastor Justin, I've, I've just stopped sinning in my life. I'm that good. I mean, I'd be really amazed to hear what your, your plan is there. But there are those who deny that sin is real. I think we've met them. A lot of people, if they deny God is real, they'll say, well, there's no God, therefore I'm not sinning against Him. There's no sin. There might be bad things in the world, but that's not sin. But far more common, even in the Christian community, you hear people downplaying sin. I think that's a real problem in our churches. When we start making light of sin. And you'll hear that with some select phrases. See if any of these sound familiar. We all make little mistakes. It's just human nature. I'm basically a good person. Oh, never say that one to me. Well, what about this? We all have flaws. See, all that's downplaying sin. Yes, we make mistakes. Yes, we have flaws. Yes, you're kind of a nice person. But sin is a very serious thing. And the more you study the Bible, the more you see how much it grieves God, how incredibly horrible it is, and how it, it d- makes us deserve an eternity of hell. Absolutely. I truly believe that there are those who think that God is somehow grading on a curve. Uh, the, the mentality of this deistic, therapeutic, moralist society that we have today has this kind of mentality that thinks, well, I'm not as bad as everybody else. I'm not as bad as some of those really bad people. So one day I'll probably get into heaven if there is a heaven because God will look at me and says, well, you, you did more good than bad. You weren't, you know, you weren't a serial killer, so you know, come on in here. That's not how it works. And John is really trying to stress that here. We don't slip into heaven. God does judge you for your sins. And on that day that you come before His judgment seat, what will your defense be? You're basically a good person. Do, do what, what my kids do sometimes? They go, well, they, they sin too. Look at Tim! God, I'm not as bad as you. you know, come on, you can't do that. You can't do that. And when we downplay our sins, when we say our sins aren't that really that bad, according to 1 John here, we're calling God a liar. We're saying... God, you say sins are really serious, but they're not. God goes, are you calling me a liar? You really want to go down that path? After all, God has looked down on us. He sees right through you. You can put on a mask that fools everybody else, but he knows your sins. He knows every single thing you've ever done, everything you've thought, everything you are. And it's ridiculous for us at that point to shake our heads and go, well, nah, God's lying. I'm, I'm basically a good person. I might slip up from time to time. But a sinner, that's death row inmates. That's not me. Surely, that's not me. A few years in, ago in church, I told my daughter, Ellie, I said, Ellie, go, go sit. We, we always had our uh, spot in the front row. And she said, go sit down, and I'm going to greet some people in church. So I was walking around, and I came back, and I saw Ellie furiously scribbling pieces of paper and then handing them out to everybody around her. And I got really curious the closer I got to her. And then I said, do you remember this, Ellie? You don't remember this. You don't remember what you wrote and you're handing around to about 20 people around us and he gave me a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper I said, you are a sinner. Smiley face. And I thought it was the most brilliant thing I've ever seen in, in church. And she's handing out accusations of being a sinner to everybody around her. And they were all like, oh, that's adorable. I do that to people that get upset. <laughs> You're a sinner. How dare you? You're a sinner too. Yeah, she gives it out. It's like, it's, it's great. It's cute. But... I think that was, that was really good because we need to be reminded in church that we are sinners. You go to a church that, that tells you, you, you you're basically a good person, beware of that church. Because they're, they're telling you a falsehood. So, let me get this out of the way. Lest you think that I'm getting up here and I'm being preachy. I mean, I'm preaching, but I'm not being preachy. That slip of paper was 100% correct. I, Justin Olivetti, am a sinner. Absolutely, I'm not above you. I may be standing up here, but I'm not above you in any way, shape, or form. When I go before God, He's not going to give me a free pass and say, well, you preached in church, therefore get in here. He'll say, you, you were a sinner. I'll say, absolutely, God. I sinned against you. I, I guarantee you I've sinned before I got up here this morning. And you did probably too. We are, we are sinners in God's eyes. But here's the wonderful part as we're ta- going through this quiz, because John He asks us, Have you confessed your sins to God? Not just do you admit that you're a sinner, but have you taken those sins and confessed them to God? Realize that you have sinned against the creator of the universe, the almighty God, the perfect, holy, wonderful, majestic God, and you did wrong by him. And you say, God, I've done these things wrong to you. I've confessed my sins. Please forgive me. But if you have, read verse 9, because it's one of the best verses. We've heard it twice already today. We're going to get it in your head. If we confess our sins, there's that if again. God is faithful, God is just, and God will forgive your sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What assurance is that? That is one of the most amazing verses in the entire Bible. If we confess, and that's a big if for some people, but if we confess God is faithful and will forgive us and will cleanse us We will be made righteous so that we can walk in the light with Him. You see, here's the thing. God cannot refuse to pardon those who call on the name of Jesus. He cannot refuse to pardon those people who call on His Son's name. Why? Because it would be unjust to make repentant sinners pay the price that Jesus already paid on their behalf. God, by His own rules cannot deny you forgiveness if you ask Him for it. How incredible is that? God's own rules. He has to wipe your slate clean. He can't go, yeah, Jesus died for you, but, you know, that one sin you did was really bad. No. He will cleanse you. How do you know if you're saved? Well, have you confessed your sins or denied them? And that's just the start of John's quiz. Now, I wish... I had time. I wish I had time to go through all the rest of the book today and point out all the different quiz questions. I'd encourage you to read 1 John on your own. But I don't, so I'm going to sum them up really quickly and and give you a cheat sheet of the rest of the quiz questions here in John. Chapter 2. Do you keep God's commandments or do you resist obeying Him? That's a good gut check. Do you resist obeying God's commandments? You know His commandments. But do you fight him every step of the way? Also in chapter 2, do you love your church family? Do you genuinely love all these weird, strange, wonderful people around you? Or do you harbor hate in your hearts and you have resisted forgiving other people? Chapter 3, does your life reflect Jesus? When somebody looks at you, you, does your life reflect Jesus, or does it only reflect your own self-centered sin? What do people see when they see you? That's a great quiz quest question. Chapter 4 Do you confess that Jesus came in the flesh, or do you believe some of the lies other people said about him? That he was a spirit, or that he was just a myth, or that he's just an a, a amalgamation of all these different historical figures? Do you believe that there was a historical Jesus? Also in Chapter 4 Does everything you do stem out of love or out of self interest? There's a lot of reasons we do the things we do, but is it out of because you genuinely love people because God loved you or because you're just looking out for yourself? Chapter 5, do you believe God is who he says he is or do you deny his existence and his character? Do you believe God is who he says he is? According to John, if we take a step back and we look truthfully at our lives, we ask ourselves these nine questions. That's the quiz questions of John right there. The answer of our, the state of our salvation is not difficult. You can't go through these nine questions and then come out of it still confused over whether or not you are saved. You'll know one way or the other. You'll know it. It's apparent in what we believe about God, how we act toward Him, and how we act toward others. My d- deepest hope, my prayer every day during the week as a pastor of this church is that you know the Lord. You not just know of Him, but that you know Him, that He is in your heart, that you are walking in the light, that you have struggled past your pride, past your stubbornness. You've seen your need for a Savior. You've confessed to Him, and that you've started to experience that fellowship that comes when Jesus makes you new from the inside out and invites you into His family as an adopted son or daughter of the King. After all, it's only the most important question you'll ever have to answer in your life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you from, for these words from 1 John. These hard questions, but important questions that we must answer, that the Lord, the world must answer if they're to know where they stand with you. Lord, maybe there are those today in this congregation that are still struggling, still resisting your call. And Lord, there are those in our families, and our friend groups, and those around us. The Lord, they don't know you, or they're asking these questions. They want to they know if you're real, what kind of God you are, if you're worth worshiping, and how we become right with you. And Lord, I pray that we would take these words from 1 John. Take the, that wonderful verse saying, if we confess our sins, Lord, you are faithful and just, and will cleanse us of those sins. And, Lord, after that, all there is left is just to praise you and walk with you in that glorious light for the rest of our days. And that is just a wonderful thing to look forward to. So, Lord, we praise you for that this morning. In your name, amen. Just in case you ever wonder if I'm a pastor that's against clapping in church, never. Clap during the song all you like. Now receive the benediction. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Go in
0: peace. Thank you again for listening. It is our sincere prayer that today's message has brought you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We welcome you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. You can also audio stream our full service, Details can be found at our website. Our church is fully wheelchair accessible and loop-enabled for the hearing impaired. For a full schedule of activities and more information on our beliefs, visit our website at www.noxpc.com, or call our church office at 716-873-2423.